The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello. Welcome back. It's a post-Labor Day edition of the Full Court Press. September 3rd on a Tuesday afternoon, 401, your kickoff time. I'm Andre Salveson. Grateful to have you, however, wherever you are joining us from. A lot to get to, a lot to recap, because Monday we were not here. Uh, and so we had a chance to kind of digest everything that happened. And now we find ourselves in the midst of this just, I mean, when when Eric and I sat down and looked at this and everything, we have to recap. Plus, don't forget, you have the stat and player uh, that we'll have on our, uh, uh, traditionally we'll have, we'll have that in the second hour. Uh, there's so much to get into in uh, a very little little amount of time. Thank goodness we have a two-hour show. Speaking of which, Eric, you know, I love that. Hey, I look at the clock. It's 3.58, and I'm like, hey, I'm heading in. And then you look at the clock up at the, you know, on the wall, and it says 3.55, and you're kind of looking at me like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why you're going in so early. And I'm no, looking at like, look at that clock. we got like a minute left. we got to get in there. Do, do, do. <laughs> you looked at me like, time. what? Why are you going right now? Because <laughs> I thought it was, I thought we had plenty of time. And I looked at the clock on my computer and nope, <laughs> we're going to be late. Again, what do y'all know? Uh, Eric France and Andre Salveson, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, the fan. A lot, again, a lot to get to. Got to recap Regional 11 high school football. Uh, surprising shutout. And then a, uh, a couple heartbreaking losses uh, for a couple of teams. And then you also got. Uh, FIBA World Cup, Shazak Republic, Team USA, Shizek. Turkey USA, uh, USA threatened, <laughs> very much threatened, uh, by Turkey, uh, in in a game that Turkey probably is going to look back on and have a hard time swallowing for a very long time. They had great opportunities to win that game, uh, in regulation, but especially in overtime, um. The uh, Jody Genesee put it best. I'm not going to claim it as my own, but he said that they went uh, cold turkey. They had oh my gosh. they missed four free throws. Dude, that's something Jody would say. <laughs> In just a short amount of time, they could have put that game away. Uh, there was an intentional foul away from the basket. They called it an unsportsmanlike foul, which doesn't really get called the same way in the NBA. But they had two free throws with nobody on the line. And they clanked both of them. And then shortly after that, the another guy gets fouled and goes to the line, clanks both of those. And uh, Team USA, at one point, they were down by like four or five points in the overtime. But uh, they came back and they held close and didn't panic. Uh, there were a few injuries. A couple guys got banged up a little bit. Yeah, Jason Tatum's one of them. Donovan Mitchell fell hard. Oh, yeah. He, oh, man, he hit the deck hard. But Mitchell, uh, so I got to, I, I forgot about the game, and I pulled it up on my phone and was watching it with my boys as we're getting ready for school this morning. And we watched the tail end of the third quarter, all of the fourth quarter, but when it went into overtime, they had to get out the door to go to the bus, so they didn't get to see the overtime period. But uh, Donovan Mitchell did make some great plays. He skied up there for a key block at a key moment. Uh, hit some big three-point shots to keep team to keep Team USA in front at that time. 
Uh, he did look like he was trailing a little bit too often on defense, um, not yeah, keeping in front of his guys. And but he thinks he can get away with that. When you play a team like, well, I mean, we'll put it Australia, they'll burn you on that every time. And I know he got one. I think it was on Patty Mills, too. He got it. No, it was on Matthew Deladova. He got it. But you're not going to get away with that every time. In fact, more often than not, you're going to get burnt. Um, again, 93-92 is your final. That win extends you, uh, Team USA's uh, streak to 44 games and it advances to the second round. That's the good news. The bad news is Turkey's not the best team in the dang thing. Turkey was the best in their group. Um, the, they do have three NBA guys on their roster. Uh, Ersan Ilyasova, was, uh, he's an NBA guy. He's been in the league for a little while. He was a good player. But you're right. The, you, team USA shouldn't have trouble putting a team like that away. And but, then there's but, teams like Australia that's just like killing everybody in this tournament. Yeah, Joe Ingles is Lithuania on is killing teams in this tournament. So it's... This is going to be, next week could be a real challenge. Well, here's the thing, and we need to remind ourselves something here, Eric. LeBron James, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, think of anybody else, Draymond Green, um, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. You know where I'm going with this. None of them are playing in this tournament. This is, you're asking a guy like Kemba Walker uh, to come in and lead this squad to a FIBA World Cup championship. It's going to be easier said than done with the likes of Miles Turner, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Donovan Mitch. It's just it's going to be more difficult than what you would think it would be. And, and we have to be patient with these guys. A lot of them are really young, and a lot of them have never experienced Olympic competition like this, ever. And so there's 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 gonna there's gonna be adjustments and you know what when you're struggling with the 17th ranked team in the world because they have a zone defense that you can't get you know you can't shake yeah it's it's going to happen so I, I mean look it was a close too close for comfort yeah I mean Jason Tame had to get fouled then he ends up missing one of the three free throws that he gets we go to overtime and then they get bailed out again but again a win is a win and for these guys it's it's good for them and by the way. I thought the environment was totally, absolutely uh, what Team USA needed. Hostile and against oh, them. Yeah, everybody in that arena was going for Turkey. Um, and that's probably good for the for the Americans um, to be tested. They went small ball uh, a lot to because of that zone defense, just to try to find holes in it and find shooters. But th- it's going to be... Um, a, a real challenge. I mean, look look at some of the other teams that are in this. I already mentioned Australia is playing very well. Lithuania is playing very well. Serbia has a, a really big group, like big guys, like four talented guys that are six ten or taller. Nikola Jokic is primary amongst them, but they've outscored their opposition by 105 points in the first two games, and they're shooting 70 percent. So. Granted, some of the teams that they face are, you wonder why they're even there, but it's it's not, I mean, I, I would say it's not going to get any easier. They do play Japan next. Japan's been getting killed by everybody, so that won't be much Should of a challenge. But next week, you start to, you, you play in your pod, your your group, and then after that, then you start to advance and you start, it starts to get much more, much more difficult. 
So, by the way, yeah how how serious is Tatum's rolled uh, ankle? Uh, how quickly can he recover? Because he was critical in key moments down the stretch for Team USA, and I think he's a good two way player that they're going to need. Um, so, yeah, how how quickly does this team rebound and come together and keep playing how Popovich wants them to play, which is slinging the ball around a lot more passing. Don't let the ball stick, and sometimes with that much NBA talent and on one court that's not a team, then they, they'll just go one-on-one. You talked about teams who are going to be a threat. In that same conversation of sentence, you also mentioned Team Australia. Joe Ingles today, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 blocks, 4 or 6 from deep. He was just 1 assist shy of the first triple-double in FIBA World Cup history. Way to go, Joe! That was Joe, the most... Bland, vanilla guy on the court. Slow-mo Joe. That's awesome. It's too bad he couldn't get it. How cool is that? If Joe Ingles, of all people, not necessarily we shouldn't expect that, but that Joe Ingles, a Utah Jazz player, could get the first triple-double in FIBA World Cup history. How cool. That's awesome. Uh, It's awesome until he does it to Team USA. (laughs) And then we won't be thinking it's too awesome after that. By the way, did you hear... Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, I don't know. Did Joe Ingles was trash talking Donovan? I don't know if you heard some of the things that were said, but there's a someone said they were near it, or I guess a reporter had made a report that Joe Ingles was I really getting in Donovan Mitchell's head, and that Donovan said after the game, it works because he never really had to deal with it until now, and he's he walked off the court, and you know, and in the press thing, he. He said, yeah, it, it works. It, it gets in your head for sure. He's <laughs> seen it firsthand on the other side. So, anyways, 93-92 again is your win. Uh, Team USA does get the win over Turkey. Extends their streak to 44 games, but nothing comes easy. They still got Japan after that. Uh, they'll uh, get into the uh, meat and turkey of the... Uh, uh, meat and turkey? Yeah. I think turkey's a different... They just ate turkey... They, oh, stop it. They just it was close. Stop though. it. Grow up. Oh. Anyways, the meat and potatoes of it all in regards to group play and tournament play, which, again, is going to be very challenging for this young group of guys who are experienced Olympic play uh, for the first time in their in their career. Uh, uh, we'll get into Utah. I know everybody wants to talk Utah State stuff. I'm getting messages from people about Utah State. Uh, we, they want to hear our thoughts. I, I, I get that, and we will. In fact, we'll give you the full... The full breakdown from our opinion, our thoughts of what we saw in Utah State's heartbreaking loss to Wake Forest, 38-35 your final there at BB&T Field. Uh, Utah State will now get ready for the Stony Brook Seawolves. We'll have your in the know tomorrow, by the way, uh, to get you ready for Stony Brook. Who is Stony Brook? What are they made of? They won 35-10 on Saturday night, uh, but it was one position group that really uh, stole the show for Stony Brook, so we'll get into that again tomorrow, and we'll have a uh, we'll have actually kind of a different kind of a character to uh, tell us about Stony Brook uh, tomorrow. So make sure you tune in four to six p.m. on one hundred six nine thirteen ninety a.m. The Fan. Uh, Eric, um, I <laughs> I was looking at this uh, this uh, AP poll, and it was quite interesting to see the movement for some teams and what close wins. For really good teams, how much it damaged them. Like Iowa State nearly, I mean, triple overtime we're talking about, Eric. Triple overtime, and they barely squeaked by Northern Iowa. 
And for that, they drop four spots in the AP poll. Uh, they end up falling all the way to 25. But meanwhile, Mountain West was saucy in their weekend of action. Uh, you're, and I'm talking about Wyoming, Nevada, Boise State. I'm missing one more. Who is it? Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. In week zero. Yep. Uh, so four teams from the Mountain West go out and beat group five teams. Boise State in uh, comes back and, and stuns Florida State. I'm telling you what, uh, Taggart needs to start looking for new jobs because his is on the brink of getting, re- uh, well, removed from his hands. He's gonna be, uh, he's not gonna last very long if this continues. Uh, Boise State. Hey, okay, so here's the thing: Gary Anderson, excuse me, Coach Anderson does not like going across the country for game one. Boise State's been doing that for how many years and succeeding? Good Tell point. me the pros and cons, Eric. Of going across the country and playing a P5 team. Why does Boise State keep doing it? Well, they're winning. <laughs> so that makes a big difference. Uh, they they have a lot of confidence in their program and who they are and what they can do. And uh, uh, they, they've they kind of adopted that old man, that Pat Hill mentality that we'll play anyone anywhere. And uh, they've it, it's worked for them. Uh, they're not afraid to go back east. They're not afraid to go schedule tough Power 5 schools. Uh, but they, they do that because they've had success and they have confidence that they want to go out and and get on a national stage. They've also realized that previously when they'd have all these undefeated seasons and they'd have these good records, the knock would always be against them. Yeah, well, who did you play? And so uh, I think that has evolved over time over the last, especially over the last 10, 12 years. But um, I, I I see where Gary is coming from, but in your week one, um, I don't see that as a real problem like he did. Uh, I was a little surprised that he got so animated about having to go so far in the in his first week. But I, I think that if you're, if you're Utah State and if you want to be on a big stage... You have to go do these kinds of things. Uh, what's frustrating is that they go and they they have these opportunities, and it's the same record that gets played. <laughs> it's the same same result, uh, just d- different window dressing on it. So it's frustrating the way that they lost. But I think that it was good that they went out and they played that game uh, in week one at a Power Five school. Um, well, how Boise State did it. They were on the ropes. What were they? Eighteen points down, mm-hmm. uh, and they came back and won that game. That says as much about Fr- Florida State as it does about Boise State. But uh, give the Broncos credit, and they've also become a perennial top twenty-five team. So other teams are are looking for opportunities to, to schedule Boise State because it's as strong uh, of a, a game for them as it is for Boise State to play them. Again, Hawaii beats Arizona in the Week 0 game, 45-38. San Jose State, by the way, 35-18 wins over Northern Colorado. Now, think about this for just a moment. Let it stir and marinate in your head. When's the last time San Jose State won a game on the same day Utah State lost a game? Let that sit for a minute. Uh, Wake Forest, again, 38-35 wins over Utah State. We'll get into that more in the second hour. Nevada, 34-31 winners over Purdue on a uh, on a field goal to win it, which, by the way, after the game, not only did the kicker get the game ball, 
He also received a scholarship. That was a wild finish. Oh, my God. Wild, wild finish. Uh, Nevada made some plays that were kind of curious why they drew up the play calls that they did, but they hung in there. I mean, 17 fourth-quarter points. Uh, They didn't let up. They kept the pedal down. Uh, Did you get that? It's just my age, and he... Just when he offers lately. Oh, okay. All right. But uh, Nevada, uh, I was impressed that they... They kept attacking. Um, they they didn't back down. They kept uh, going after it. Uh, Purdue looked strong early, and then they faded. Only seven points in the second half compared to the 27 from Nevada. So uh, give lots of credit to Nevada and just their their confidence and willingness to, to keep going after it and keep attacking. Give Colorado State credit. They, give, they gave what they could versus Colorado, everything they can handle. But in the end, uh, 14 points uh, late in the fourth quarter kind of did it. Did the Rams and Colorado wins at 52-31 over Colorado State? Yeah, I kept my eye on that game as well. I thought that Colorado State and Colorado pretty close, kind of even in the first half. You could just see Colorado State get worn down by the late third quarter. They were just exhausted. Yeah, Colorado just pulled away. Started pulling away in the second half. Just you could tell that the Rams probably pulled out all their tricks that they could think of. Uh, or just the, the players just weren't quite to the same level. And eventually, P- Colorado started pulling away. Colorado State did look more competitive and, and more interesting than uh, I was giving them credit for earlier in the year. I don't know how sustainable it is. They seem to fade and, and struggle. But uh, Colin Hill, 374 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, not a bad performance by their, uh, by their quarterback for the Rams. By the way, Warren Jackson coming into he's supposed to be the highlight receiver to come in and replace Preston Williams. Eight catches, 87 yards, one TD. Uh, Boise State again, winners over Florida State, 36-31 in Florida. Uh, Hank, and there's a true freshman quarterback, by the way, Hank Bachmeyer, 30-51, 407 yards, one touchdown. Not bad for your first start as a Division One quarterback. No, and there was question about who the running backs would be, too. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they had a great... Multi-pronged approach. Yeah, Robert. Mahoney. The way they put that game together, because um, uh, yeah, Mahone ran for 142 and a couple of touchdowns, but they had a couple other guys that had touches um, and uh, tried to get some things done. So uh, Boise State, even though they had questions coming into the season, looks like they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with. Air Force's winners over Colgate, 48 to seven in that game. Uh, Taven, I think it's Bird, or is it Bird Al? I, 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 he played last year, too. Nine carries on 80 yards. Uh, and then New Mexico, winners over San Houston State. Didn't make it look easy, though. 39-31 to final. New Mexico. I guess Coach Bob Davey had a health yeah. scare. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a stroke. What was it? It was. He had to be hospitalized, though. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure on we that. We hope everything's good on his end. Um but, right, New Mexico, they're just a struggling team. Sam Houston State. That should never have been a close. Shouldn't have been that close. Amari Davis is 16 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Wyoming, how about this one? Over an SEC squad in Missouri, beats him 37-31. But here's my thing. By the way, uh, Sean Chambers, 12 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Here's he my also, thing. He threw for 92, so he ran the ball much more effectively than he did throwing the ball. Only six for 16. Credit to the ball. Missouri for coming and playing a non-conference, non-Power 5 team. Credit to them for doing that. That's awesome. 
I'll take so much respect to Missouri Tigers for doing it. How many teams are going to be like, yeah, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll get out of our whole Power Five ego, jump into a different bubble, and, and and give it a world. Now they got punished for it. They lost by six, and that looks really bad. But uh, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with Missouri losing that game just because of the fact that they went out of conference to do it. San Diego State in an absolute barn wait, wait, burner. Wait, before you move past Wyoming, uh, Coach Craig Bull. He got a hundred thousand dollar bonus just for winning that game. Really? Part of his contract if you beat a power so five how school. How would that be? Like it's hundred grand. You just be an SEC football team. Athletic director comes in. Hey, congratulations on the win. Yeah, well, here's this. Don't forget that. Well, what's this? Oh, it's your hundred thousand dollar check for beating Missouri. <laughs> oh, well, honey, well, you want to go to McDonald's tonight? <laughs> San Diego State in a barn burner uh, wins six nothing over Weber State. Jay Hill's Wildcats actually were pretty good. Uh, Jake Constantine was 21 to 31, 119 yards and one pick. Uh, meanwhile, Juwan Washington, the S, uh, the new Aztec running back, 22 carries, only 55 yards. That's that that spells trouble for San Diego State. They may want to fix some things and tune them up really quickly. Yeah, that San Diego State offense was really not doing much at all. No. You give credit to Weber State and their game plan uh, to keeping San Diego State out of the end zone. It was only two field goals. I don't know that it necessarily means a whole lot. Uh, we've seen a couple of occasions where a team doesn't look that great against an FCS opponent. Uh, it could be that they're just holding their cards close mm. to the vest. They don't want to show everything just yet. But um, it can also spell uh, trouble for what may be looming underneath the surface for that team. Um, a couple of years ago, we saw that when Utah State yeah. struggled against Southern Utah with Josh Heupel as the offensive coordinator, and it came down to a last-second field goal to win that game. Everybody was scratching their heads, like, well, "How does this happen?" And when we talked to the coaches, we're like, "Ah, eh, we weren't worried. We were going to get it done." It's like, well, but this game, that game went down to the wire. It could have easily gone any other way. And then as the season went on, this, the team just really wasn't that. Great. Yeah. I think because there was more dysfunction in the among the coaches than we realized. I don't think that uh, the offensive coordinator and the head coach were on the same page because we've seen that coach that Hypel can be a pretty good offensive mind. <laughs> He's doing pretty good things at Central Florida, but um, now that that was kind of an early indicator that the the hype coming into the season just was unfounded and it just didn't quite work out for USU. So is that the same story for San Diego State? I don't know. But um, it, it, I think it does illustrate that this team doesn't really have a lot of offensive firepower. Well, it also proves this, something that we've always known for quite some time. Weber State head football coach Jay Hill does a hell of a job because if he had, like, sub blime, incredibly great talent, they would be running over San Diego State. And he deals with what he's got, and he still competes with these, you know, Mountain West conference teams or whoever. He continues to have his kids ball out. 6 nothing. your final in San Diego State. And the San Diego State did hold Weber State to only 35 total rushing yards. Jeez. Oh, Their leading rusher had 14 yards. 14 for the game. God bless America. UNLV winners over Southern Utah, 56-23. Um, Charles Williams, 15 carries, 143 yards, and three trips to the end zone. USC, Fresno State, 
This one was supposed to be a good one and it ended up being one. Uh, 31-23 USC gets to win over Fresno State, but man, Fresno came out strong in the fourth quarter. It was just a little bit too late. Uh, George Renya, 19 of 39, 256 yards, two touchdowns for the Bulldogs. Uh, and for Tyler Vaughn of USC, 11 catches, 150 yards. Uh, you know, for USC, by the way, they actually lost a vote. I mean, they were ranked, I mean, they weren't in the AP Top 25 or in that voting count. They actually lost votes after this win over Fresno State, Eric. Yeah, uh, there's style points. You know, they didn't. They struggled. Uh, they weren't able to put them away. They jumped out early, and then they kind of faded a little bit. They let Fresno State hang around. Um, Fresno State made some nice adjustments to try to get back into the game late. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, questions were what... Because there's some key guys that have left over that... The, the the big change that's happened with the Bulldogs, what would their offense look like? What would some of their key defensive players look like? Jorge Reyna, six, 256 yards passing, uh, 88 yards rushing. So very, very much involved um, doing whatever he needed to do offensively. And I thought that you know, the, their defense was, was okay um, in what they were able to do. But uh, USC... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Still have to wait, you know, to see what that team really looks I'll like tell you what, in the Pac-12. You should go read. I what I, what I love doing after every Saturday is the teams that barely win, they're supposed to win by 50, is checking their Twitter accounts. Like, Tennessee's didn't post their final score. They So, yeah, they wouldn't post their final really? score. Yeah, so, they, so the last update you see of that game is when Tennessee scored. From their official Twitter account. From their official Twitter account. They don't like it's like an update from when Tennessee scores. You don't see an update till the next day, and it's some like hype pitcher getting you ready for this week's game against BYU. I I mean it's and then you should see huh. the re, you should read the replies to it. I don't think we can read them on air, but they're funny. Uh, this week uh, the games for Mountain West will be as follows: Friday, September six on ESPN two at seven p.m. Mountain Time. Boise State will host Marshall on Saturday. Colorado State will host Western Illinois. San Diego State's at UCLA to face Chip Kelly and the Bruins. Wyoming will head to Texas State. Nevada heads to Oregon. Wow. You want to talk about a saucy schedule. Nevada's just dump, jumping both feet in. Utah State, your Aggies will host Stony Brook at 530. Uh, San Jose State will host Tulsa. UNLV will host Arkansas State. Fresno State gets Minnesota, who, by the way, they could be 2-0. and Or actually, it's going to be 1-1 and if they can beat Minnesota. Oregon State uh, will... Head over to the islands and face the Hawaii Rainbows. Man, uh, why not for Hawaii? Yeah, in that one, yeah. Oregon State's not that great. Yeah, uh, Hawaii looks and Minnesota looks doesn't good. look entirely that great either. To be honest, I think Fresno State could get the upset against Minnesota, especially in when it's in California. Hawaii is favored by six and a half on the early line. Uh, really? Yeah, Minnesota's favored by three. Um. Yeah, so those are some of the. As far as those, <laughs> Oregon is favored by 23 over Nevada. Oh. Really? <laughs> However. I don't think Nevada's going to take that too lightly, though. Uh, and UCLA, 7.5 over San Diego State. Uh, by the way, your in-state games, uh, BYU is at Tennessee. Tennessee is either going to be playing with a little bit of spit and vinegar, or they're just going to lay over and die and take another loss. 
with their Twitter account, especially. Uh, another, uh, excuse me, number 13, Utah, who've jumped up a spot in the AP poll from 14 to 13. They'll host Northern Illinois. By the way, big games, a couple of them. 1.30 p.m. on ABC. Texas A&M at number one Clemson, number 12 versus number one. And then the main game, actually, sorry, the main game, yeah, the 6 p.m. primetime game, LSU, number six at number nine Texas. That's right. You'll get a good look at the LSU Tigers just three weeks away before uh, LSU will host the Utah State Aggies. You'll get a I mean, a pretty good side of what LSU really is about. They do have a great offensive attack, especially in uh, in the running game. Uh, last week, Joe Burrow was phenomenal, despite well, I mean, albeit it was very against a very soft team, but twenty three to twenty seven, two hundred seventy eight yards and five touchdowns. But uh, we'll see how good he really is when he faces this uh, Longhorns team, which is at uh, Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. So it's in yeah, it's at Texas Longhorns Stadium. Wow. Hey, quick update on Bob Davey. Oh, do we have one? So he had what's being called a serious medical incident uh, following the game. I guess it wasn't during the game. It was immediately following the game. But uh, he said in a statement that he expects to fully recover um, and called it a critical time, uh, according to a release that he put out late uh, later on that evening. Uh, I guess that was on Sunday. But the New Mexico Lobos, they're not sure who the head coach is going to be when they face off against Notre Dame on September 14th. So um, they're still not clear. They're not publicly, they're not talking about what it was that happened to him, what his medical condition was. Um, their spokesman said the team is not to the point of making decisions about the game next week at Notre Dame. Of course, Bob Davies, a former head coach at Notre Dame in his eighth year at New Mexico. So uh, apparently there is no acting head coach of when they practiced on Monday. Uh, the coordinators ran practice for their squads, but that seems odd that there is no acting head coach or who's second in command. They might want to fix that before week two. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, if I may be so blunt. But same. beyond that, they might want to fix that because, not just because if he has another medical incident, because that'd be horrible. I don't, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. wish that on anybody. But his track record has not been stellar at New Mexico. So if he comes back, he's fully healthy, but this team continues to lose games. Who's going to be the next guy if they want to move a different direction mid-season? Sure. To keep things going while, well, if he's on the outs, so. Uh, really quick before we go to break, all uh, the, again the AP, AP top twenty-five poll came out. It goes as false. One through seven states the same of Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, and then Notre, Notre Dame, Texas uh, move up one spot to eight and nine. Auburn jumps six spots after beating Oregon. They move to the top ten, and that's where they stand. Boise State now makes their debut in the two thousand nineteen AP poll at twenty-four. Uh, coming back, we'll uh, get into some more of what's going on around the worldwide leader in sports. Um, by the way, Utah moved up in the AP, but not in the coaches. So they're 13th in the AP, but they're still at 15th in the coaches poll. And that's why he gets paid the big bucks in the uh, broadcasting business, people. That's Eric Franson for you. I'm AJ <laughs> Salveson. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. 
It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Hey. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Eric France and LJ Salveson, 436th your time here on a post Labor Day edition of the Full Court Press, September 3rd. Grateful to have you wherever and however you are joining us. Again, you can find us on stream 1069thefan.com. And you can also find us our shows after if you miss this show entirely on our podcast platforms or all podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and more. Eric, uh, we have some controversy. Mount West, thank you very much for just doing everything you do when you're not sober. I have wrote a scathing letter last year to them, and I'll do it again, I swear. We're only in week one. It's only in week one, and I'm already ticked. Uh, your Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, or Player of the Week, excuse me, uh, will go to Elijah Halliburton. And I don't even care if I pronounce that right. I'm going to call him Halliburry. Uh, you get it? Halliburry? You like that? I got you. <laughs> Career high 17 tackles, fumble recovery to set up a score. He uh, is your defensive peak Player of the Week award from the Mountain West. Uh, Eric, do you have David Woodward's numbers? I don't know how good they were. Maybe he was okay. I don't. Do you have that number by chance? He did all right. I mean, you know, he played a game. I mean, he only, I mean, this guy 24. had seventeen career tackles. So, I mean, that's a career high for him. Yeah, yeah. Twenty four is not quite seventeen. We had a fumble recovery, right? To set up a score, a, a career high tying three and a half tackles for loss, one sack. Two forced fumbles. It, it, that yeah, it's, it's oh, that was not, David Woodward. That's David Woodward. That, but that's clearly not the same oh, as the seventeen oh, oh, that the other guy had. Sorry, sorry, my bad. So wait, timeout. David Woodward had a career high twenty four tackles, one sack, career high tying three and a half tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. But let's give which it to, had a defensive penalty not occurred on that one of those shouldn't fumbles. Have been called, by the way. It would have been a fumble return for a touchdown. No, so, but it's okay because Elijah Halliberry had 17 tackles, which is a career high, and a fumble recovery to set up a score, which is good enough to give him to it. Uh, Mountain West, I will once again call you out. Please do not let people who do not know what football is select these players for their awards. I don't know what the Mountain West has against David Woodward because he had such an incredible season last year. They only put him on the second team. Clearly, he was deserving to be on the first team. Um, but I, I think what we're seeing here, and this is a pattern with the Mountain West when they do this, these weekly awards, they will only consider somebody who was on a winning team. But if I'm not mistaken, these are individual awards, not team awards. Correct. But apparently, that doesn't play into their uh, their thought process because they're only awarding players who are on winning teams. Because how else could you keep David Woodward from winning that award? I mean, it's insane the type of game that he had. Video game numbers. And yet, they, they give it to a guy who, okay, he had a good game, but stack them side by side and there's no question yeah, who David Woodward to. had the better game. By the way, uh, Elijah Halliberry was named the Bronco Nagurski National. Actually, you know what? I'll call him Halliburton because he doesn't deserve to be punished for this. This wasn't his fault. He didn't choose the award. Uh, he was named to the Bronco Nagurski National Defensive Player of the Week. Well, guess what? David Woodward was named to the 
is it Chuck Benarick? Chuck right? Benarick Award. Uh, it was their recognized as their player of the week by position. So take that for what it is. Uh, but the Mountain West, once again, uh, uh, continues to prove how incompetent they are when it comes to selecting awards. Uh, for I mean, for at least football. Um, how And I'm not saying it because we're the Utah State Aggies. I'm saying this because common sense. It is not that hard to look at numbers, compare them, and say, oh, this guy had 23 tackles for a career high, had three tackles for a loss, which is a career high, had two forced fumbles, and had one sack. Well, let's revise this and make it very obvious and clear and put it at the end of the release when you announce it. Oh, yeah. The Mountain West will only recognize good players on teams who won their respective games. Which sounds ridiculous, but that's what what they're doing. Or just change the name. Don't... Because they list it as... Halliburton is Bronco Nagurski National Defensive Player of the Week and the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week. Just so dumbfounded, just, man. I just don't get it. The the football player of the defensive player of the week, um say call it the Mountain West Defensive Player on a Winning Team of the Week award. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Or the Mountain West or, offensive or, 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 or player put it in on a winning team of the week. Or put it in parentheses that you have to be on the winning team. Because Cedric Bird, Mountain West offensive player on a winning team of the week award. And Wyoming safety, Elijah Halliburton, he was named the Mountain West defensive player on a winning team of the week award. And Boise State place kicker, Eric Sachet, and Nevada place kicker, Brandon Talton, they split... The special teams co-players on a winning team of the week honors. I'm from now on. That's all I'm going to do. When I refer to this award, I'm going to clarify by saying on a winning team. And and here's the other thing because it's, it's not an individual award. There have been so many cases over the years we've been in the Mountain West Conference where a an individual have a tremendous individual performance and get overlooked because his team didn't win. So let's not give it to an individual and and give it to a winning team and then highlight who was the best person on that team from that winning team. Here's here's the other thing with it. If Utah State wins against Stony Brook and David Woodward has 25 tackles, three fourth fumbles, two sacks, and doesn't get it, then I'm definitely going to have the theory or conspiracy theory that they do have something against David Woodward, and I'm going to, I'm going to make a phone call. And I'm going to ask him like, what their process is of how they choose people for awards. I, I, I don't get it anymore. And again, I'm not saying it because we're Utah State people. I'm saying it because it's common sense. Yeah, sure, the guy won a football game, but it was actually the team who won it. Right, who selects these? I, I, well, I, I want to know the process. And yeah, what is the I process? want names, and I want to know what the process is. Like, are you guys just like... I is mean, it just a couple people in because, the back office? I mean, usually, I mean, when they select the refs, they do it blindfolded. And so such as the, and then they take those refs and they blindfold them, and they have them go out and ref a game. That's how bad they are. Such is the case here in this award criteria 
they are taking these and they're blindfolding their people who are sucked in the wards, and then they just stick their finger onto a player and they're like, oh, it's him. I don't, I don't know how else to tell you that this is just a horrible job on the Mountain West part. Horrible job. But, again, I mean, <laughs> uh, what do we know, right? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's highly frustrating because we see this in basketball too. If your team didn't win uh, a couple of games that week, even though you may have had an outstanding couple of games, they won't recognize you. I, I, I get the value of what you did to help your team win. Don't mistake that. Because that obviously means the most at the end of the day. But if somebody has an outstanding performance that's better than anybody else, regardless win or loss, how do you not give it to that guy? That blows my mind. Uh, it's so stupid. So from now on, it will be the Mountain West player, or the Mountain West offensive player on the winning team of the week award. That's how I'm going to refer to that's it. Even it if even if Utah State gets it, that's how I'm going to refer to it from now on. Yeah, no, that's winner winner. And if I slip up and I don't, call me on it. I, w- <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will. Uh, All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we also got Regional 11 football. We need to recap really quickly. And we still don't have a winner for our bread and and butter player. What is it? (laughs) The Skyview bread and butter play of the game. Courtesy of Old Grist Mill. This is going back to the game they had on Thursday. We threw it out there and... Nobody was able to call in and correctly identify what that bread and butter play of the game was. Granted, now it's been four or five days, so I hope your memory is okay. But if you want four loaves of bread, call us today. Because if we, if we don't give it away today, we'll just hold them to the following week. And we may extra end up with some extra loaves of bread for the staff. And uh, we'll eat our own. Uh, but uh, no, we need you to call in 435-752-1069 and identify what the bread-and-butter play of the game was for the Skyview Bobcats. This was on Thursday when they played Shelly. So if you can call us in and correctly identify what it was, we'll get you four loaves of bread courtesy of the old grist mill. What happens if nobody calls in by Friday? I mean, what are you going to... I mean, do I get two lo- loaves of bread? I can take that home? No. Give it some bread and butter? No, I'm not going to do that. Like my throws, like my football throws, bread and butter. If you share it with Reggie, maybe. (laughs) Oh, touche. Derek Preston and Dodge Salsa coming up. Quick recap of a Region 11 high school football weekend and what's to look ahead this Friday night in all Region 11 action as they get into their final week of preseason before Region play starts. Eric France and AJ Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and LJ Salves here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 13.90 AM. The Fan, again, you can find us on 1069thefan.com if you want to stream us. Again, all podcast platforms of Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. You can type in the search bar, Eric's name, my name, or the Full Court Press, and you'll be able to locate us and listen to the whole entire show, all two hours of it. Eric, uh, Region 11 football uh, has got through its third week of preseason. Some teams are okay. Some teams are on the downward spiral and heading there quickly. 
Uh, I'll start with Ridgeline, who was looking very sharp in the first two weeks, plays Farmington, and then Farmington just gives them the hammer. 35-0 is your final. Yeah, uh, Ridgeline looked pretty uh, good in the first couple of games, kind of surprising what they were able to do, considering uh, kind of young at key positions. But uh, they, they were exceeding some expectations early on. But they went down to Farmington. Farmington's a new newer school as well. Uh, but they are a higher classification. Um, and uh, Ridgeline just really, really struggled in that one. Just They couldn't score, had a hard time moving the ball, had a hard time stopping the ball. Uh, so maybe kind of a, a coming down to earth moment for Ridgeline uh, a little bit, unfortunately. Um, can't say it was Overly surprised by that one. Thought they'd be maybe a little bit more competitive. But uh, what what has really surprised me is how well Green Canyon is doing. Yeah, how about that? And then they're 3-0 and uh, with some questions about their quarterback position. How well would they adapt with uh, just uh, an athlete basically playing the quarterback position? They've adapted quite well. And uh, a defensive front, which may be a little undersized, that's worked out quite well. So, so far, they're undefeated on the season. Uh, and then on the flip side, I have to say there's the, probably one of the bigger surprises is how much Mountain Crest has struggled. Uh, they're 0-3. And uh, they just, I thought that they would be a better team, a, certainly a better offensive team. Thought they'd have really good coming uh, defense coming back for them. But they've kind of surprised me a little bit so far this season that they haven't been able to break through just yet. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And then Bear River on the other side, they've had some quarterback issues and offensive issues, to say the least. Uh, but they, they're they stunned by Bonneville. 23-17 your final. Uh, dug themselves a hole early again like they did against Box Taylor and then couldn't get out of it. Uh, Bonneville over Box or, uh, Bear River, excuse me, uh, 23-17 is your final. Uh, really quickly for this Friday's set of games, uh, you are looking at Bonneville's going to be at Mountain Crest. Uh, Green Canyon's going to be at Box Elder. That should be a dandy of a football game right there. Box Elder beats Mountain Crest by six last week. Um, and then does Ridgeline? I don't see Ridgeline on here at all. Do they play? Uh, oh, there they are. Yeah, they got Ridgeline's got Highland, Idaho. Yes. And who else am I missing? Oh, Logan's another team we haven't talked about yet either. Yeah, Logan is an interesting situation. They're going to be down in Las Vegas. They play on a Saturday afternoon. They play a school called Desert Pines. Uh, there's a lot of schools in the Las Vegas area uh, hosting teams from all over the place. Logan's heading down there for that one. Uh, we will not have that game broadcast, unfortunately. Um, we'll try to keep tabs on it best we can. Uh, but uh, yeah, that everybody else is going to be playing on Friday night except for Logan. They're on actually it's Saturday at noon. Uh, this is listed as a region game, and it shouldn't be, but Bear River is going to be at Morgan. Uh, Morgan's in a different class than, from Bear River, than Bear River, so there you go. Uh, but Morgan looks really good. In fact, they've scored 50-plus points on every single game so far this year, uh, and they're very capable of doing it on Bear River as well, if I may be so blunt to say. Hey, and I want to give credit to Westside, too, the, their opener. Westside. Taking care of business. Such a Strong great side. football program that they have there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the game's up at the uh, in the stadium, for USU last Thursday, Logan, uh, Preston, Skyview, Shelley, uh, kind of exciting uh, outcomes. If you're on the region 11 side, not necessarily if you're on the Preston side or Shelley for that matter. But um, I I thought it was an interesting 
set up, and uh, we hope to see that continue for a few more years, the Rocky Mountain kickoff. All right, coming up, we'll wrap up the first hour, get you ready for the second hour, uh, which is going to be all Utah State football. Got a ton of it. Plus, we have our player of the week. Stat that blew your mind. And how'd you do Eric? in the Cash Valley uh, preps pick them? Uh, better than you. And by the way, pick six. Really? Saucy. I thought I did better than you. We'll clear it up. Yeah. Eric France and Ajay Salveson on the Full Court Press. I did better. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. And I'm supposed to have music, but it's gone. Uh, Eric, let's actually do some dubstep or something. Do you want me to? Oh, hey, hold on. Wait, hold on. No, Eric. it's not. Hold on. Uh, preps pick them contest. Don't forget to go get your picks in. Uh, there's a lot of different teams that are involved. If you didn't win last week, that's okay. You can still register. You can try again. This week, right, and try again. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a fun contest. You pick the winners on these games. Make sure you get it all in uh, before it closes Friday afternoon and your chances to get your picks and your selections. So uh, make sure you get all that taken care of. It's CV Preps Pick'em. Uh, or CV Pickham, excuse me, cvpickham.com. We also have the links available on 1069thefan.com on how to uh, register and, and get access to it. Uh, but uh, I just made my picks for this week. I think I may have to revise them a little bit as we get a little bit closer. But anyway, it's all there. But congrats to our week three winner. Uh, that was uh, uh, David Jordan, who won and had the highest overall point total. He was 8-1. and one. So uh, go check it out. You could win some sweet prizes. And if you are if you win a given week, then you'll be entered into our grand prize drawing, which is a 65-inch 4K TV from Lens Audio and Video. So go check it out. We've got the links on 1069thefan.com. Get your picks in and join us. Have fun with the Preps Pick'em Contest. Hey, by the way, really quickly, we might have a winner for our bread and butter play of the week. Ooh, So stay excellent. tuned for that next hour. Free bread. All coming up. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. In the NBA, there's nothing worse than being in limbo, a team that doesn't know if it's a contender or rebuilding. NFL teams aren't quite in the same boat. There are a few obvious rebuilds, but most teams pretty much go for it every year. Which brings us to the Texans. I'm not sure what kind of team they are. Over the weekend, they made two contradictory moves. They shipped out pass rusher Jadavian Clowney for basically a third-round pick. Then they mortgaged their future to get tackle Laramie Tunsil and receiver Kenny Stills from Miami. They lost one win now player and gained two others. Critics point out that they don't currently have a GM. That role belongs to head coach Bill O'Brien. Clowney should be good in Seattle. On the other hand, Tunsil fills a huge need protecting Deshaun Watson. Maybe this will all work out. If it doesn't, this weekend could be a turning point for a franchise that doesn't seem to know exactly where it's going. I'm Dan Patrick and this is Above the Noise.